Hey everybody, welcome back to Checkerboard Chat, the official sports podcast of the Daily Beacon. I'm Tyler Wombles, and that's to Michael Cole, and we'll ba- we're back here bringing you more sports news, updates, and whatever you want to talk about in regards to Tennessee athletics. First of all, to Michael, yesterday was a pretty big day for Tennessee football. Just obviously it was National Signing Day, a lot of recruits uh, choosing their future homes for the next four years. Um, just uh, Tennessee signed a couple recruits. What are yeah. your main takeaways from uh, signing day, and who are some recruits that you liked out of that class? Well, obviously Tennessee missed on a couple of big-time prospects, but you got to be impressed with the class overall. Tennessee was able to come away with 20 prospects after all of those decommitments they had. I mean, before Bush Jones firing and when he was fired, Tennessee lost a lot of players, yeah. and this class was ranked top five at one point. And to rebound from that and still come away with a top 20 class on, you know, some some websites is a pretty good deal. And J.J. Peterson, of course, is a guy that a lot of people like, and and I really like him. I think in Pruitt's 3-4 base system, he'll be a guy that can really wreak havoc on the quarterback, and he'll probably be a starter next year. Yeah, for sure. And another guy I was thinking about is Trevon Flowers. Obviously, he's a guy, you know, he was committed to Kentucky to play baseball, obviously, mm-hmm. which is sort of the big story, one of the big stories at a signing day. Um, he's a guy that, you know, wants to play both sports in college. Um, the word was that Pruitt and his staff told him that he would be able to play baseball. They didn't have a problem with that. Um, I'm not sure if that will actually come to fruition, if that will uh, develop yeah, over the years. He did say football is his number one yeah, sport. He made so, that clear. <laughs> right. So, but, but I think, you know, um, one thing that's I think is interesting about a multi-sport athlete like that is you've got a guy who could potentially be pretty versatile for you on the field. I mean, he's a safety, but, you know, could he potentially play other defensive back positions? Mm -hmm. Could he maybe return kicks? I mean, do you know what position he plays in baseball? Yeah, he's a shortstop. Okay, yeah. So, shortstop, one of the most athletic positions on on the diamond. Right. Exactly. So, I think that will be interesting to look at with Flowers, just sort of look at, you know, um, will he be able to translate that versatility from, you know, the baseball diamond to the football field and back? Uh, what positions he will play. Um, another guy I was really focused on was Cedric Tillman out oh, yeah. of Bishop Gorman. I mean, if anyone doesn't know, Bishop Gorman is powerhouse. a yeah, huge powerhouse high school. They're ranked in the top ten in the nation a lot of times, won, you know, won a lot of state titles. Um, DeMichael, just a question for you. Do you think that coming out of a, a high school like that, a pretty powerhouse high mm-hmm. school, do you think that could help Tillman in transitioning to college to sort of have more success after really having that success in high school? More times than not, I think that's a really good thing for a prospect because you, you you deal with really good facilities in high school and you deal with, obviously, you get better coaching and just a lot of things are better at those type high schools and you see it in basketball too when you come from top-tier programs. You're more prepared when you go to college and that's what Tennessee is getting in a guy like Tillman. So, obviously, there's that going for me. And I think that that's a huge benefit for Tennessee. Now, obviously – there are some ways it can, you know, backfire against you being that, you know, maybe he doesn't he didn't play as much in high school. He wasn't counted on as much as some of these other guys were, so he may not have as much on his plate simply because he wasn't, you know, asked to carry the ball 35 times or play offense and defense for his team like a lot of these guys were coming out of high school. So, he may not have that type of versatility, but I think it's a very very big positive to come from a program like Bishop Gorman. There's no doubt he's going to be probably one of the most coached-up players coming out of high school. He's going to be one of the most ready guys, and that's a real benefit for this class. 
For sure, and then, you know, obviously the Vols added a couple guys yesterday, but they had some pretty good signees in the early signing period oh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like Alante Taylor, a guy who could be a playmaker right away, guys like that. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to turn to the negative, but DeMichael, yeah. some of the they did miss on a few, on a few guys that they were looking at. Obviously, you know, Isaac Taylor, Stewart, um, Quay Walker. Obviously, there was that story with Quay Walker, where yeah. if anyone doesn't know, he did originally put on a Tennessee hat in his signing, and then he took it off and flung it across the room and uh, committed to Georgia. It was Georgia, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so. Just basically, DeMichael, what, how much of a loss do you think losing those guys like Taylor Stewart and Quay Walker will be for Tennessee? Do you think it's a big impact on their depth? And do you think that, or do you think they sort of made it up with some of the other signees they had? As of right now, I think it's a it's a huge loss. Both of those guys, being that they were able to get in the running for those guys and have a chance at them, it's a huge loss right now. But I think that won't be made up this year. They can't make it up this year. But next year's recruiting class, Pruitt. He kind of made some guarantees and some yeah. promises saying that, you know, next year they will be one of those teams at the top, and that's where you can make up for it at because right now you lose a guy like Stewart. And Pruitt did say he feels like, you know, they have some pretty good defensive backs on this team. And, you know, Tennessee was one of the best pass defenses statistically, yeah. you know, in the SEC last season. So we'll see, you know, what kind of effect the loss of Stewart has on the secondary. But a guy like Quay Walker, I thought – Pairing him with J.J. Peterson would have been really, really big. Yeah, and they could have – I mean, pass rushing is so critical in the SEC. All of the best teams are very good at it, and pairing a guy like J.J. Peterson with Quay Walker would have been just huge for Tennessee, and it would have really just – this process of rebuilding and getting back to a top-tier program, it would have expedited it really fast, yeah. For sure, and, and, you know, like you said, Jeremy Pruitt did really – um, he's obviously had several events. He had the press conference yesterday, and he's had a couple other signing events where he has spoken. And he did really say, you know, next year's class will be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is one thing that people should uh, keep important in their minds, you know. Um, Pruitt, you know, he did. He came in at a time after really a disastrous coaching search, essentially. Yeah. When I mean, any time you have a transition of a head coach, um, whether they're fired or they leave, you have some recruits that jump ship. Yeah, I think all of the SEC schools that went through those kind of transitions, all of them were ranked outside of, like, the top ten. Yeah, for sure. With a lot of them being in that 14, 15, and even in the 20s. So, for Tennessee to come out 20, I think it's really good with the coaching change. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the recruits loved Bush Jones. For sure. So, I mean, for them to come out with 20 commits, it's pretty huge. And Pruitt is a guy that a lot of, you know, a lot of his players at Alabama did love him. Um, He's been, you know, called a player's coach. So, we'll see Mm -hmm. where that goes. Um. Obviously, there is a lot more time to judge yeah, what's going to happen. And to mention one big thing with this recruiting class is with Tennessee having just 20 commits, they can possibly sign up to 30 commits <coughs> next season. With the hard cap being at 25, they'll have five guys that they can back count, and they could possibly sign up to 30 commits next season. Now, mm-hmm. they'll probably go out and grab a couple transfers and maybe get a graduate transfer guy, and those guys would count as a part of this class with the NCAA rules the way they are now. But if they don't get any transfers, they could sign up to 30 players next year. They'll definitely have one of the top classes if you can sign 30 players. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. But we're going to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to talk about some uh, Vols and Lady Vols basketball. Obviously, um, the the Vols have played 
really well this season, as have the Lady Vols. They're both uh, ranked, highly ranked teams. Um, mm-hmm. Starting off with the men's team, obviously DeMichael is one of our uh, men's basketball beat writers, and he actually made the trip uh, with our other um, beat writer over to Kentucky. So just mm-hmm. first of all, DeMichael, what was that atmosphere like? What was it like for you going over there, getting to, you know, cover a game in Rupp Arena? Yeah. And obviously you know, the Vols did come away with the win. So just what do you think led them to that win, and where do you think they are right now? Well, overall, it was an amazing experience just, you know, to be in that arena with that kind of historical, like, all the things that have happened there and to see all the jerseys and the banners and all of those things. But this team, this Tennessee team, is for real. And when I say that, I mean, compared to where they were picked, second to last in the SEC, they've came a long way. And they're on a six-game winning streak right now, which is their longest win streak of the season. And, I mean, a lot of the players are click- are clicking. You got the point guards playing well. The forwards are playing well. Kyle Alexander is playing his best basketball of the season, and that was a guy that was very inconsistent. Lamonte Turner was another guy that was inconsistent. He's playing his best basketball of the season. So right now what you have is a lot of those inconsistent players are starting to become consistent. And you team that up with a guy like Admiral Schofield, who you know what you're going to get from him, and a guy like um, James Daniel, who you know you're going to get from him and a guy like Jordan Bowden who mm-hmm. for the most part you know what you're going to get from him right. and of course Grant Williams yeah, we sure. all know what we're going to get from Grant Williams pretty much every game so you combine those inconsistent players becoming more consistent with the consistent players and right now what you have is a top 15 ranked team in the nation for sure and obviously you did mention Lamonte Turner you know he's a yeah. guy um, he had that he had that big shot against Kentucky um and I think the evolution of him is sort of interesting. You know, he's a guy that has played, you know, a lot of point guard. And he, he has been criticized in some ways for that oh, yeah. for his play, you know, mm-hmm. as a point guard. Some people have wanted Jordan Bone more in that role because he's more of a traditional, you know, pass-first guard. Yeah. Um, but Lamonte Turner has, you know, he's a scorer. Mm-hmm. And he can, he can set it on fire if he has to, you yeah. know. So I think it was interesting to see him really – He's had a couple games lately where he's really shot the ball well, um, sort of paced the team in that way. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned Jordan Bowden. You know, he's he's a guy that can be one of the best three-point shooters in the SEC if he's on having a good night. Yeah. Um, so, I think one thing I really like is watching Rick Barnes' offense. It's interesting how they all seem to move in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell it's well coached. Um, and obviously, we know what he gets out of Grant Williams. So, um, basically, so they've got – who do they who are they playing next? I believe – Ooh, off the top of my head, um, it is Alabama. Okay, it's Alabama. They um, sure. they're going against Colin Sexton, so another good guard mm-hmm. matchup for them. And they've been really good in the SEC play against guards. That's the one position yeah. that they've guarded really, really, really well. I believe Tremont Waters, mm-hmm. and I mean they sh- they basically shut him down mm-hmm. in their matchup with him, and just other SEC matchups against guards. They've really defended those guys well. For sure. And uh, now I guess I'll just switch gears a little bit, talk about the Lady Vols real quick. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the Lady Vols, they are 19-4 and four on the season. They will be hosting Georgia on Sunday. It's the team's pink out. Um, you know, they did. They played Vanderbilt on uh, last Sunday, barely escaped the upset then. They're actually playing uh, – today is Thursday, so they're actually playing tonight yeah. at Arkansas. Um, so we'll see how that game shapes up. But I think this Lady Vols team, you know, it's – you know, Jamie Nard has had a few games where she's been a little bit off. Yeah. Um, but then she sort of bounced back, had a 30-point outing against Vanderbilt, 14 rebounds. Um, she got SEC Player of the Week. 
just a huge performance. Um, you know what you're gonna get out of Mercedes Russell. She's you know she's six foot six. She's a six foot six center. Um, not many girls can uh, take her on. Uh, not many guys probably could either in uh, college basketball. So I think those are your two seniors. You know what you're gonna get out of them. And obviously the freshmen have really stepped up. That was a, a you know a spot that was really a huge concern and also you know um, a source of optimism for the Lady Vols. <clears throat> You know, you've got Avina Westbrook who started at the point. Uh, she showed off some really, you know, accurate passing. Um, you've got Anastasia Hayes who can come off the bench, replace Westbrook, and really, you know, drive the ball in despite her size and really provide that, you know, quick. Uh, Holly Willick always talks about her being a, like a change of pace, almost like a change yeah. of pace running back um, mm-hmm. in the NFL. And, you know, you've got Renai Davis who is – I, I've said this before, and I think she is, you know, the, really the reincarnation of Jamie Nard, mm. even though Nard's still on the roster. But, um, <clears throat> but you know, I think that she will have that impact. She is that forward position to, you know, can score, can shoot the three, can do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, DeMichael, what have, I don't know how much Lady Vols you've watched this season, yeah. but how much have you seen out of them, and what do you think uh, they're, they're like right now? Well, I mean, it, they're a really interesting team. I mean, Obviously, they have a lot of young pieces, but, you you know, you have some veteran leadership with players like um, Nard and um, Mercedes Russell. But one of the things I want to see just going down the stretch is how will they compete against the top teams left on their on their schedule? Because um, they start this, what, 15-0? and 0, Yeah, they're 15-0. and 15-0 and 4-4 and cents, right? Yeah, I think it is four and four. Four and four cents. Um, because I know they were two. They were two and four. They had that stretch after fifteen and zero where they went two and four. Yeah, lost some tough games. Had that tough road slate. Well, yeah, some somewhere around there. Yeah, but I mean, right now it's just how will they play against these top tier teams? Obviously, they've shown that they can take care of business against the lower ranked teams. They struggled a little bit with Vanderbilt, but besides that, you know, they've taken care of business against the lower ranked teams. Mm-hmm. And now I want to see will those not not those veterans, the younger players. Sure. How much will they continue to emerge down the stretch and be big players for Tennessee to see how far this team can go? Yeah, and I know Anastasia mm-hmm. Hayes talked about it, you know, um, earlier. And just, you know, when that, when you go to the SEC tournament mm-hmm. after the regular season, you're going to be facing teams that you've already faced. Right. And I think that would be really crucial for these freshmen because, you know, when you're a freshman as a college athlete, really in any sport, it's all new to you. Yeah. And so – Having faced these teams already, know you know how their players play, whether you win or lost. I think that could be really key for a pre- yeah, and it freshman. it gives you more confidence. For sure, confidence yeah. is huge for a freshman, especially yeah. if it was a win. Yeah, you know, um, and so I think that um, that could be key. You know, for a freshman when you don't really know what's coming next, when you're not used to really anything, any of the situation that you're in. Yeah. So I think that'll be key. And once again, I think the play of Nard and Russell is paramount. Um, and also another one I'll mention real quick is Sheridan Green. Um, we actually had a feature on her a little while ago, and yeah. she she's just a player, you know, uh, Will Backus, who is the this uh, other beat writer for the Lady Vols, he and I have talked a little bit, and we feel like she's almost like the Lady Vols version of Grant Williams. Hmm. You know, she'll, cu- she'll come in, she'll grab a lot of rebounds, play really tough in the paint, um, can score, just really paces the team with that, um, with that competitive fire yeah. and with that edge. Um, so I so it'll be interesting to see what how she does this season. Obviously, it is her first season back, uh, coming back from an ACL injury after transferring into the program. So it'll be interesting to see you know how she plays in the postseason, um, how much of an impact she has on the team, uh, moving forward. So, 
Now we're going to switch gears once again, yeah. and we're going to talk a little bit about baseball and softball. Spring sports. Yeah, obviously um, softball starts today, yeah. playing their long road schedule. Oh, and then yeah. uh, baseball starts next week, or is it the week after? I believe it's the week after. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so so they're, they're starting up. Um, DeMichael, just first of all, with baseball – what do you feel like some of the storylines? Obviously, we know about Vitello, but what do you know? What are some of the storylines heading into this season? And what do you think the Vols have that they can exploit to possibly be successful? Well, Vitello is right now possibly the the biggest storyline. He's you know the new head coach of the baseball team, and people want to see where where can he elevate this team? They've struggled in the past so many years with Serrano at the helm, and you know, they felt like it was time for a change. And they turned to Vitello, who's a guy who was a recruiting coordinator at Arkansas, and he's shown that recruiting prowess already, bringing in, you know, a whole lot of recruits so far. And now people want to see, well, how can he develop that talent? Because right now what you have is you have a good mix of a solid core of pitchers coming back, and he brought in a lot of pitchers as well. So pitching depth is the most important thing in the SEC. All of the top SEC teams are very good at pitching, and that's where t Tennessee was separated last year. Last year, Tennessee wasn't scoring a lot of runs, and they couldn't just get that one or two runs when they were stuck in pitching duels with some of the top teams. So pitching is, I believe it's one of Vitello's strength, being a pitching coach. So you want to see how he's going to develop a guy like Zach Ligenfelter. That's a guy who he believes has, he said that, Langenfelter will be drafted, and he'll he'll be a very good pitching prospect before he leaves Tennessee. And last year you saw some of that potential with Zach, being that he has a really strong arm, and he can do a lot for this baseball team. And I think he'll be the Friday pitcher, basically the ace of the staff. Okay. And you also have guys like Will Neely, who's a very good pitcher. Garrett Stallings was probably the best freshman pitcher last season. So the pitching staff – is a big, big, big piece to how this Tennessee team will develop not only just this year but just going forward because that's how you compete with the top SEC programs. Now, in the batting lineup, you you lose a guy like Jordan Rogers, oh, yeah. who was one of Huge. the top, yeah, one of the Huge top producer. players in the SEC last season. And you have a guy like Pete Durke and Andre Lipsius, who were very good young players last year. So now you say, how how will they develop? hitting-wise, and I think this team, they'll, they'll be better, but I'm not sure if they're ready to take that next step yet in the hitting department and the mm -hmm. offense department as a whole. So their biggest key will be this pitching staff. If this pitching staff can be top five in the SEC, they'll have a good chance at making some kind of run this season. For sure, and I thought it was interesting that you mentioned uh, Ligenfelter. Obviously, you know he was he was drafted by the Yankees yeah. out of high school before yeah, you know exactly. out of coming out of Sevier County. He was actually a a pretty popular quarterback at <laughs> Sevier County, you know. Um, but yeah, he uh, th that's with him. And just talking about softball a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, I think pitching will be very interesting for them. Oh, Obviously, yeah. you've got Kalen Arnold and Matty Moss coming back. Moss was sort of that ace, but Arnold mm -hmm. came in, and they really had a two. Two-woman staff. Yeah, it's the biggest question for that yeah. soft softball team. Last year, 
everyone always asked, will a third pitcher emerge? Will a mm-hmm. third pitcher emerge? And it was the thing that stopped the really talented team from going to the College World Series last last year. They didn't have that third pitcher, and hopefully yeah. they will have that third pitcher yeah. this year. And if they have that third pitcher, this team could be scary good, like yeah. College World Series good. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. And, I mean, I think – you know, they brought in, I think, two freshman pitchers. One that's really been heralded mm-hmm. is Gabby Spring. Yeah. Um, one that they feel like, I know the the weeklies were talking about earlier, she could start, get in that rotation right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Obviously, I think, like you said, both in baseball and softball, pitching is key, especially in college in these games. Um, and I think it will take a lot off of Kalen Arnold and Matty Moss not yeah. to pitch all those innings. Um, obviously, they did well with it last season, but you know right. it might help them to help the soreness a little bit tonight. And I think, that. yeah, it, there's no doubt about it. This offense will be strong. Yeah. Like, they're they're missing Brooke Vines at the beginning of the season, who was a huge producer last year, and that'll that'll be a big loss. But besides that, I mean, you get the SEC, one of the best offensive players Megan from the Gregg. SEC, and Megan Gregg back again, and she's gonna probably break some records at Tennessee this year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to watch, and um, we'll keep you updated as the seasons progress. But thanks for watching, everybody. This is Checkerboard Chat, the official sports podcast of the Daily Beacon. I'm Tyler Wombles, and that's to Michael Cole. And tune in next time to hear more uh, Tennessee sports news updates, whatever else we feel like talking about. So see you next time.